0: Leafs lose. They lost. No Matthews hat trick, but a new goal song. Did, did anybody
1: notice? Well, I no. heard on the radio that they
0: were switching it. I didn't
1: even clock what it was yeah. though.
0: So no. Yeah, but that's it. No one even
1: noticed it this time around.
0: So word on the street is that they tried it out with Kid Cudi. It didn't work out because people complained and as is now with corporate culture, if one person's feelings are hurt...
1: Yeah, you got to scramble to fix
0: that. If, if, they, if they fake some outrage... Yeah. As though, as though there's any reality where someone is actually hears a Kid Cudi song, that's that song, Pursuit of Happiness, as if in any world... Storms out of the arena. A person <laughs> hears that and goes, oh my God, this has triggered
1: something ruined.
0: in me. And I don't think I'll be able to sit here at the hockey game and focus anymore on the millionaires. <laughs> I, I have to go home. Or you're on the couch. You're like, Kid Cuddy? Turn it off. <laughs> Remote <laughs> beep. I, remote's don't beep, but I. it's an audio medium. If you're yeah, not watching t- this on YouTube, <laughs> I had to give you something. Remote, boom, off. Oh, actually, you know what? It doesn't do beep anymore because if you do it like mine, My Rogers Ignite, sometimes I just go, a TV off. Hey, TV off. Kid Cudi song, not for me. Not today. You're not getting away with this, Maple Leafs. I will be penning a letter. I don't know what you do anymore, though. I bet you it's, it's it's not a letter, obviously. It's an email. So you take into the email. And you have to go imagine this person, too. So not only do you see it's Kid Cudi, then you hear it. You probably didn't even hear it live because I, I, my true belief is that someone who's watching the hockey team, a sport where people are fighting each other, a sport that is that can be as vicious as hockey, that there's no way that a person actually was sitting there watching the game and, and went through that gamut of emotions that I just <laughs> outlined, that the reality is, is that someone on Twitter saw that it was pursuit of happiness, and then they went, did you actually know? Did you know? And then they told friends, and then they told their outrage community and then the community that was there online that just exists to be mad about something. They, they went, we'll find the complaints department. We'll find it. We found it before. We'll find it again. And then they sent some emails up the chain to the people who are just uh, the people who are in charge of the song. I think they live in a cage. I think they live in a cage and they're terrified. And once a day, someone goes by with a stick and just (laughs) rattles. the. You guys got a new song yet? (laughs) (laughs) I'm bad at my sound effects today. I got to tell you, (laughs) it's not the sound of cage. But you get the drill. You you get the gist. And they're just in there shaking away. They're like, what about Panama tonight? (laughs) That seems like no one could say anything about that, right? That's the song that played the third time, by the way. It was Panama. It was Panama. No one cares, except for they created the story. Anyway, I just think it's fun. I think it's so fun picturing the people who are making these decisions right now. And now scrambling. Just, oh, man. So, <laughs> obviously, Leafs got to be going on the road now, right? It, I haven't looked at the schedule. Yeah, they're going Panthers, Lightning, Capitals, Stars. Their next four games at least are on the road.
1: Controversy can quell for a bit. No,
0: these people. Now it's the worst Cause now they have too much time to think again. Cause they just had the entire off season yeah. and they thought about it and they thought about it and they thought about it. And this is the best that they could do. The best that they could do was panic, <laughs> <laughs> panic, 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 and stress out over this and completely blow it. Anyways, um, panic. I'm trying not to do about any Leafs losses this early. Okay. They've had a brilliant start from Matthews. I said already that. To me, that was the number one thing you wanted to see if you were a Leaf fan. It was likely to happen. I was never really a believer in the whole, hey, maybe Matthews has regressed conversation. That ended up happening when he signed the contract extension and you got the, let's just call them the the Leaf star sympathizers that exist out there. Who went, actually, this could be a good contract for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Matthews gave them a break because had he signed a longer extension, it would have been more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually he's going to be 30 when this contract gets out. And so it's a good thing. He signed this because neither team acquires the risk. The guy who scores 40 in his sleep every season, it's a good thing not to have him under contract for longer as the salary cap goes up. No, it's good. 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 It's brilliant. He looks great. His wrist looks completely healthy. He looks completely healthy. Whatever has happened with the new guys in the room, seemingly has made him a little bit more engaged with the physical stuff, which I think a lot of us as consistent watchers of the Maple Leafs and fair critics of the team have been wanting for quite some time. And then William Nylander has been out of this world good. He has put together three games where the body of work is, hey, this guy's body is actually one of the best in all of the NHL. This guy is a physical specimen, and it feels as though the hunger for the contract might actually really benefit the Toronto Maple Leafs this year when it comes to his production. Again, I'm not trying to panic. Nobody freak out. I'm not trying to do what everybody thinks I'm going to do. But the rest of the roster, there's, this is a couple of games now where they've really played to the identity of the team that they're facing, right? Like, let's not forget, they beat Montreal, but they had to come back against Montreal. They also had to come back against the Wild. They gave up the first goal. It's the third game in a row where they've done that, and this is the third game in a row where the guys who don't get paid the mega dollars have looked fairly underwhelming to me. I like Bertuzzi a lot. He's taken too many. Pen- That's his fifth penalty of the season. You got you got to chill out. I, I know I know the one penalty in the first game was unfair, but this is this is now. Hey, so <laughs> this is over give him a tap. Hey, that's enough. That's enough. It's like, it's like when a dog is pulling on a leash too many times and you're like, you got to stop on the middle of the walk and be like, Hey, you got to heal. You got to figure it out here. We can't have this the entire walk. This is getting to be too much. Someone's got to get that going with him. And then, yeah, the rest of the lineup just doesn't really look like it's fitting together so far. It's three games, a bunch of new pieces. They replaced a bunch of guys. So ultimately, I think that I'm in a place of as long as the stars are starring, right? As long as Nylander looks that way, as long as Marner looks this way. Marner played like 25 minutes last night. Pretty quietly, but holy hell. Keith just leans on him sometimes. As long as Matthews looks like this, I don't think Matthews is ever going to have another game where he gets nine shots and doesn't score a goal. Tavares, nice goal, but set up by Nylander last night. Goaltending fine. My hope is that the pieces eventually fall into place, but there is a little bit of there's, there's just some awkwardness with this lineup where you look at them and say, all right, your bottom six, none of it really makes too much sense. And you can't really move any of the pieces to make it make sense. And then your blue line said this yesterday on Leafs talk with Cuthbert. It feels like each one of the guys on the blue line minus TJ Brody, who is actually Everybody freaked out when he fell down on the first goal of the year. Outside of that, he's been phenomenal this year. Really, TJ Brody fully back. Hey, everybody chill out. Nobody needs to worry about that right now. I think he's actually first on the team in expected goals for. Outside of Brody, it feels like every defenseman on the team needs a buddy. (laughs) You know, like, hey, where's your buddy? Who's making sure that you're safe? Because Jake McCabe, I don't know what you're doing out there. I, other than I don't like it. That's the only thing I know about what Jake McCabe is doing is, hey, I don't like anything that you're doing right now. Klingberg can snap it around, but I don't trust him doing the other stuff. Lilligren and Giordano have gotten off to a pretty tough start. And yeah, Morgan Riley's Morgan Riley. But anyway, that's just, yeah, uh, not panicking. Everybody relax. But Yeah, there's just, there's some red flags here. A couple red flags here to start the season as well. All right, Christopher Steak, two-time selling camp champion, creator of the phenomenal, clever app, which you can download for free right now, wherever you get your apps. Um, you won two cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. You, they wouldn't help you. They wouldn't let you get in. They have no juice. They didn't care about you. Your whole family, you know, your, your beautiful boys, your family, you get to go down to the hockey game. Oh, Ogr- gratis, a courtesy of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I, will you renounce the Chicago Blackhawks? I
2: think... I think I might renounce the Chicago Blackhawks. Thank you. You're a Leafs guy well, only now. Exactly. You live four, here? well, Yeah. Four Western Conference finals over five years, two Stanley Cups, Yep. rookie of the year nominee. And if you were to tell me the Leafs would have been taking care of me mm-hmm. after my short-term, pretty unsuccessful year with the Leafs, um, if it was the Leafs taking care of me, I would have told you you're absolutely out of your mind. So, Leafs alumni, I do want to give them a shout out. Yeah. Absolute incredible experience. Yeah. Everyone in the box who takes care of you. My kids had an amazing time, even though they didn't. You know, I didn't even get to go down and visit with all the trainers I've had there for five plus years and all <laughs> that. But that's actually that- bad.
0: I was trying to make a joke of this, yeah. but that's that's not good. That's yeah. actually that's bad. Good. That's a bad thing. That's that's no bueno.
2: Well, no, it, it is bad, right? Like again, I have these trainers I've been with for years and the minors players, guys I know and uh the fact that you can't you can't go see them after, you know, that it's it's pretty disrespectful, I will say that. Um but again, overall incredible night, incredible experience put on by the alumni. And I do kind of want to touch on the depth role if you want to go through that Yeah, I point. do. I I yeah. do.
0: And and I don't want to make this all about you, but I just I have one other question, which is most people like you know, my dad was a religious Boston Celtics fan, but then I grew up loving the Seattle Supersonics and he flipped immediately. But my dad didn't play for the Celtics, you know? Like, he didn't, he didn't play for the He didn't win two championships. He wasn't like, me and Larry Bird, we did it. <laughs> it probably would have been different in my house. Did your kids cheer for the Leafs last night? Like, what was the? Yeah, yeah. What, yeah, so, yeah. so your kids are on the Leafs because that's the smart yeah, they, move, by the way. Is like to have them like the local team is going to be far better for their lives. It doesn't matter if every single time they have to explain that their dad is you, and you know, by the time by the time they grow up too, kids won't care about that at all, right? Like
2: they'll be like, oh, it's kind of neat, but that's good. They have They're, no idea. Yeah, they have no idea, and. Again, if you if you ever seen my Instagram, it was, like, I brought my Versteeg jerseys for my kids, and they were choked. So we had to go buy Matthews jerseys for them last night. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> choked. Like, when we pulled them out of the bag, they're like, what is this? Yeah. So we, we ripped them right off and put the uh, put the Matthews on, because they love Matthews. They're, they also did have Bedard jerseys, and I said, not yeah. in your life will you wear a Bedard jersey, Chicago Blackhawks, in the alumni box. So, yeah. Out of respect to everything they yeah. did, share for the Leafs, and they do—they love the Leafs. Yeah,
0: no, that's great. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you can't go into the alumni box and be like, "Here's my kids, decked out in full Chicago no. stuff." Yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, he renounces them. I love this. This is great. What a win for Toronto to be able to get two brand new fans, like pure Matthews guys, and your sons, and then you—two uh, two cups there, like you said, four Western Conference Finals. A rookie of the year nominee, which I wouldn't have had in your bio, but that's good. Well, I, yeah, I'll I'll, put it in there. Yeah, yeah I, I noticed. Uh, oh, yeah, Tom where, Tom were where were you in there? Where were you in like Tom how Tom many Tom
2: nominees Tom. were there? Yeah, there there must have been a lot of rookies. <laughs> yeah, I was, was gonna play. say,
0: I was, <laughs> was like, you you got some down ballot votes. You're like, hey, just so yeah. you know, yeah, a couple writers threw in some some votes for me. Right, like that that was a nice addition. That was really Playing nice. Down here. Yeah. Okay. So the depth. Let's let's get there. Let's talk about the actual team because. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of the rant you heard before you came on, but the stars look awesome, and that's the most important thing for the Leafs, right? It, it would be – I'd be feeling worse if Domi had a couple of goals and Matthews looked like the guy from last year where we can't quite put our finger on what's going on with him, and there was already, you know, half great Nylander periods, half bad Nylander periods. But, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't know how some of these puzzle pieces are going to fit together even though there's only three games of sample size. It it comes back to coaching.
2: Hmm. I've looked at their, it was hard to watch a game from the box in detail, you know, when you're up there with your kids. So I had to come back. I had to watch highlights. I had to look at ice time. I had to understand why I wasn't noticing Domi. Like the first shift, actually he had it is exactly what I said he needed to do. I remember him come flying up the boards. He chipped it in. He kept it simple. They had a quick little chance. They got off. Those are things that he's going to have to do to gain the trust. But I I looked at the ice time. Here's what I have. Chicago, two guys under 12 minutes, seven above 15, eight above 14 and a half. Mm -hmm. Leafs, seven guys 12 minutes or under. Five guys 17 minutes and over. Five guys 14 and a half minutes and over. Five guys 12.2 minutes and over. Everyone else is under 12. So, you do not trust any of your depths to play. And I've been looking at this. It's a recurring theme from last year, the year before. I love when you got to ride your horses, no doubt. I'm a guy mm-hmm. that wants you to ride your horses. But you also need to trust your depth. You need other guys to get extended minutes, to get up in the 16-minute range. Domi needs to get there. I know Bertuzzi got there last night, but other guys need to get extended minutes. And you have to find three guys, two guys, that will only play six, seven minutes. You have Reeves that might only play six, seven, three minutes, maybe sometimes. But you have to get that third line, especially up in that 12 to 16 range. Somewhere in the 16, maybe down up 12 minutes at night. That you need to get guys extended, trusted minutes to get them in the game. If you expect Max Domi, like I said last week, to score with 11 minutes again, or Matthew Nyes with 10 and a half minutes, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. And you cannot trust guys to give everything in 10 and a half minutes and be offensively relied on. So that's something I, I looked at right away was the ice time and understanding the difference of why maybe Chicago had energy, why maybe their depth players looked better, more confident with the puck because they have more minutes. You stay in a rhythm. If you're playing 10 minutes, sometimes you might go into a a shift. You might not play. Then you lose a rotation. Then TV timeout comes. And then on the real time, you might not even have touched the ice for 15, 20 minutes of real time. And then you're expected to go out there and score a goal. It's just not likely. And with that type of coaching, if you're just going to lay the hammer on the top, guys, and not find these bottom guys' extended minutes, and you're going to take that philosophy again into the playoffs, it's going to be a hard one to win with. Mm. Yeah. I,
0: it's, it's hard for me to blame Keith too much, though, given the personnel, right? Like, I, I, I get it. I, you, you got to try some of these guys out, yeah. and maybe Domi has to play a little bit more, but you're chasing a game, and two of your centers are David Camp and the 19-year-old Frazier
2: Minton. Like, uh, I, I just don't know how much you can lean on those guys. Route. Yeah, you got to move guys around, and you got to get them out there, though. Mm-hmm. you got to get them out. In 25, 26 minutes is great, but you still have to get other guys in if you're going to win a Stanley Cup. That's just how it is. You have to get Domi's feeling good. You have to get Bertuzzi's. I know Bertuzzi got up in the 16 range. Uh, whether you put Minton or Camp there to get mm-hmm. them extended minutes, to get them in the game, there was a really bad play by Camp when he just skated right over the puck and got gap control is bad, but maybe that's why he got less minutes as the game went on. But that's a guy maybe you just got to rely on right now. Since Frazier Minton can't get the job done as a three, as a three C getting offense, but nice played 10 and a half minutes. It's not enough minutes for these guys to constantly create, to have the puck, to feel good about themselves. You just, you you look at all the history of time, all the teams have third lines that can get extended minutes. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't have a lot of that personnel. But you have to try. You have to try to give them more responsibility. And if it doesn't work, then obviously you have to go out and make a change. Yeah. You have to sure. trade. You have to do what you need. We already know they need a three true 3C. But they need to start relying on other guys to try to create more, to try to give them more depth. And if you go with this type of, oh, let's just rely on the top guys to score, bottom guys, then you get in the playoffs again, and all of a sudden your bottom guys aren't scoring and you haven't really taught them anything and then maybe you need them at some point and then they can't handle it, that's also what you start to run into. So they just need to figure out how they're going to get more extended minutes throughout their lineup. Like, is Boris Kachuk that much better than Domi? He played 15, right? I know, Then you look at the rest of their lineup, eight guys, eight guys above, I think it was, again, what did I say, 14 or 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. That's what you need to figure out what you can do. Again, find Matthews' time find Marner, his time in Nylander, especially with Nylander looking like this, but get other guys on the ice. Yeah. Again, they're chasing it. And so
0: there's a little bit of fudging with the numbers, especially the, the later portions of the game. But yeah, I think that if you're chasing it, you can't have Domi playing 1137. Um, I get some of the other guys, but man, camp camp is getting paid two and a half sheets. They brought him back to be the third-line center. Then he kind of ends up getting bumped down to the fourth-line center because it doesn't really fit. And the the more I I think about this offseason for Trey Living in the Leafs, felt like they lost Ryan O'Reilly and they didn't want to lose two centers. And so they kind of hit a little bit of the panic button with Camp and just said, no, 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 come back, come back. But with this current roster, he doesn't make a ton of sense. And again, maybe after the deadline, maybe at a different point this season, he does. He's probably a guy who was always destined to be someone where – we question the regular season stuff and then we get in the playoffs and he's shutting someone down or he's giving you some some really great defensive zone draws and you're saying, Oh no, 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 this this makes sense now. Now he's making his money. But yeah, that I just I don't know what you're supposed to do there. And like for a team that coming into the season, people acknowledge the puzzle pieces didn't fit, but they would get secondary scoring from some of these guys to not really see any of that from Nye's, to not really see any of that from Domi. I, I think that's kind of been the tough part so far is that the bottom six, maybe it's not enough opportunity, but it also hasn't felt like when they've gotten them that they've they've given enough push or that they're providing any kind of a spark. Yeah, I just go
2: back to the minutes. I'm looking yeah. at them again. You look at them over the three games. It's just not enough opportunity at mm-hmm. all. And if I was in that situation and I was expected to score with seven, eight, ten, like Champ played nine, nineteen, yeah. and I'm not at two and a half million. If he's your three C. Love Fraser Minton and all, and, and you know he's doing his best. Mm-hmm. But you got to elevate him to the three C. Find him. See maybe he can take an offensive zone draw. He was seventy-seven percent on the draws last night. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could take an ozone draw, win it back on the third line, uh, and maybe give Domi a, a chance off a draw or give Nice a chance off mm-hmm. a draw. So those are those are things. It's just not enough opportunity to me. You, you mm-hmm. just it's just too hard to create if you're an, if you're an offensive guy and you need to have a little bit of. Ability to paint outside the lines, like I talked with last week, you don't get the same rope as a Matthews or a Marner, but at 11, minutes, it's impossible to to constantly create and do what you need to do.
0: You know what I wonder too, and this is just right now, and again, people are going to get mad at me for this because they're going to say, oh, this is a reach. But if I was tree living and you brought me in, and I'm making these signings, right? A bunch of these, like, I've paid these guys. I'm the one who brought in Domi. I'm the one who gave Camp that contract extension, so on and so forth, right? And then all of a sudden, the, the coach that I said we're on the same page is not playing any of my guys, right? I, I wonder if, that, if that's like,
2: hmm, you know? it happened in the past, too. Yeah. Beth, uh, Clifford in the one playoff, we have we've battled about that a bit, yeah. but you did need his physicality. I know he took the dumb penalty. Yeah, he's but-
0: almost killed them, but yeah.
2: Yeah, but, <laughs> like he, you know, Spetsa, Spetsa played great, and you yeah. you pigeonhole them at this minute. You uh-huh. pigeonhole them at the 10, 11 minute. This is what happens when Keith gets into these scenarios. He doesn't elevate guys in offensive roles to give more push and help from the back. So your your bottom six is really, they really have no chance if they're not going to push. Like, with our Chicago Blackhawks, with the, you know, we had Ladd and, and Bowen and myself, some nights we'd play 15, some nights we'd play 20, depending on who we were checking, and depending on how much PK or PP we would get, and generally we were second PP, PK. So that's a third line, and you're still finding hosts and those guys to get on, and you're still finding Kane and Taze, and it's similar for this. You've got to find the minutes for your bottom guys to feel good about themselves. And it, look in the past. You can hear my cat. I don't know what he's doing.
0: I was going to say, that cat is hungry. Feed that he's, cat, for the love of God. He's not,
2: I gotta move rooms here, but he—he's uh, nuts. But he—but uh, but, but that—that's what you gotta do in order to find elevated roles and and help these guys do what they need to do yeah. uh, on the offensive side of the puck, and it's just. It's just not possible at that time. And I, again, you go back through the history of Keith, this is the exact same thing that's happened in the past.
0: Yeah, that that's fair, given the context of it, because you're right. This is something that he's employed in the past. I would just say, if we're drawing the, the comparisons, your Blackhawks team said a lot better depth than what these guys are. And so I, I guess I'm just a little torn between how much of this is – a guy should earn the ice time. A guy should show something before you're just throwing him out there for those offensive opportunities when you're behind in a game. Versus how much a coach just needs to kind of change the way he operates a little bit and think about the long term versus the, the short term of trying to win one game against the Blackhawks in Game Three of the season. But you know that that it's brings be all that encompassing. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, it, it's really it has to be. be all that. It it yeah. does, but it brings me to the the main thing, which is so. Every time I look at it, I go, "How do I make the pieces fit? How do I make the pieces fit? How do I make the pieces fit?" And and I'm usually a believer of, "Hey, if a guy's going, don't mess with anything he's doing. Like, don't change his role, don't change his minutes. In fact, just give him more, 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 more." But Nylander looks so good this year. He looks so strong this year, and he's clearly driving that line right with him and Tavares. Oh, wow. It's just it's it's not a question as to who is doing what. Gnise is not going whatsoever. Like he is just, he's hes lost with Frazier Minton. I wonder if the eventual move here, if we're talking about the long-term, the short-term, getting guys more involved, whatever, adding to your depth, finding out what actually matters in the season is to go back to the Nylander at center question because we did it all offseason. They talked about it. It was very clear that... They kind of needed to do it based on the depth that they had at the position. And then Frazier Minton came into camp and got all these positive storylines. And it was, oh, he's so mature and he's great. And maybe he could actually break camp with the team. But now we're seeing, like, the pressures of being a 19-year-old kid who's got to be the third center on a team with Stanley Cup expectations. It's just like it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a long-term plan. It's not something that they can bank on right now. And so, to me, I, I look at it and go, why not, put, why not put Tavares with his own line, give him Nyes – give him a different and then put together a third line that is Domi on a wing with Nylander and Yarncroc and just see how that operates.
2: Yeah. You're going to really have to be specialized matchups because depending on how much Willie wants to play in the D zone and how much responsibility he's going to want to take in the D zone, can he do it? 1000% his skating ability, his hockey IQ, but it's his determination to defend in day in and day out as a centerman. Mm. You can maybe do it here and there for a game or two if you're trying to you know, band aid some position or someone gets hurt or something happens or you're trying to go for it offensively. I just That's question... I do, Yeah, I agree. I just question the day-in, day-out determination to play center. I, I would go back between wing and center, and I would play center for about a week and a half, and I remember I'd start to cheat for offense all of a sudden about a week and a half in because you're not getting as much chances. I wasn't a great skater, especially like a, a knee lander, but he could still create more than obviously I would. But you start to cheat, and rather than defend to get your offense You start to cheat on offense, and if you cheat on offense as a centerman at all, you're going to get exposed in this Mm -hmm. league big time. So I just wonder the day-in, day-out grind mentality that you actually need as a centerman to defend, if he would be willing to do that. He is, like you said, in such a great place right now. He's feeling it. He's Mm -hmm. going for it. Even on that goal, like he's swinging across the neutral zone, turning around, picks it up one hand, cuts across, makes a drop. pass. That was wild. Gorgeous absolutely wild. Like the plays he are making, he's making is plays only a, like a handful of people on the planet can do and especially at that speed and thinking and processing the game. It's it's magic essentially. So I just don't know if you mess with it. I, I don't mind trying it within the game offensive situations. Okay, we're in the Ozone. Nylander hasn't been on a couple shifts. Fraser Minton isn't going. Let's get nice and Domi going in the Ozone. 100%. Plot them in. Make sure you tell Nice and Domi, listen, we don't know if Willie's coming back on this shift. That would happen with Kane at times. Or, you know, it'd be like, okay, he might not come back. So, Chris, you got to back check. Maybe prep those guys for those scenarios that, hey, he's coming on an offensive zone, draws, Fraser Mittens out or Camps out. Those are things that you could do. I would just worry about the day-in, day-out grind. Again, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a problem, but I think you got to start to slot it in Dude. more on the offensive side and then go from there.
0: No, it's a, it's a great point. And, and everything you're saying is right. I'm saying that you don't have an ideal situation. Like, if it was obvious yeah. to put Nylander there, they would have done it already. They would have said, yeah, yeah, no, he... We don't feel like he's going to cheat. We don't feel like he's going to do any of those things. We don't think it's going to, you know, you and I talked last year when they took him off power play one, how frustrating that was for Nylander. And people have said, well, if you put him at center, he can earn all this money. And it's an incentive to say, if he does this well, it's like, I think he'd be fine pointing to back to back 40 goal seasons, which he can do comfortably in this top six winger role and say, yeah, I'm going to get paid. (laughs) Like if I I keep playing the way that I'm playing through the first three games of the season, I'm pretty sure someone's going to show up at my door on free agency day with the, the bag of money that I so desire. Right? Like, no, yeah. I, I don't think that the center stuff is going to incentivize him outside of if he's the kind of guy who's geared towards that challenge right now. Like if mentally they go, don't you want to see what your maximum potential is as a player? The other option is to simply
2: complete his point totals too. Yeah, overall, but but that's a, and of that's, that's like exactly what
0: you said. You know, so, like, dude, that's why yeah, you can't. That like, he's not going to want to do it. He's like, why would I want to lose points yeah. in a contract season? Why would I want to be exactly. criticized for the defensive mistakes that I make? Why would I want to be shown on every single article or every single tweet when I do try to cheat for my offense? Because there's a million eyes watching this, and I'm going to end up getting the the circle treatment, right? Where oh, look yeah, at yeah. this on the on the telestrator, yeah. where it's like here's the n- William Nealander trying to fly the zone. Like if I'm him, I understand why I don't want it. And that's why, but it's just like, I think, I think it's the only choice you have outside of the other one is you try Domi as your three C and you go with an offensive line there. But it's clear Tree Living doesn't trust him on the wing, so I don't think that he's going to trust him in that
2: role. Like he ain't putting him at center. That's what I mean. I just I don't know what the hell you do. It so. Back in 2010, I know I'm talking back, and I'm one of those old retired yeah, you guys. Are. Yeah. No
0: wonder your kids groaned when you pulled the jerseys out. They're like, ugh,
2: this again? Yeah. We get it. You played. It. God. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Sharp, an offensive winger, could play center. In 2010, Quendell went to him and basically said, this is your role. Please play center. We don't have anyone with your ability to move to the center hole unless two seats. Mm -hmm. So they actually moved Sharp in to the 2C. It depleted his points. His point production went down due to that, but it helped obviously elevate us to win. Without him in the 2C and taking that role on, we don't win. So you go back to the entire scenario, the situation. Can Willie do it? Mm -hmm. thousand percent. It's a dedication you have to make day in and day out to be a a top 2C, playing against guys, grinding it defensively. How much do you want to win? Mm -hmm. That's the second piece. How much are you willing to sacrifice? You got to sacrifice to win. Guys got to sacrifice points. They got to sacrifice their bodies. That's just, it's a similar scenario. Super offensive winger, great speed. Willie's even higher end, but that's something that if you're looking to win a Stanley cup, Mm -hmm. that could be a piece that you do. It's just, it it is a funny year. It's a contract year. He also had contract security different, but it, and he's going to get paid regardless of yes. how it goes. But that's a piece that: how much are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? And I'm not saying he has to, but it's just it is an interesting conversation.
0: You know, it's crazy. I hate saying this, but I, and I, I think everyone outside of the most diehard William Nylander fans, the ones that have his, his profile on their or their his picture on their social media, I think we'd all say normally what you're saying is. Hey, this is another reason to give this guy the contract right now, right? Hey, he's earned it. Prove to him that he's a part of the organization. Give him that little bit of extra money so that he has the buy-in to feel like, "Hey, I don't have to sa- I can sacrifice the points because I'm here long-term and you gave me everything I wanted." But he's the type of guy where I say you remove the incentive and it it potentially creates another question mark. Like I'm not 100% on that being the case. I'm sorry. I, I just I'm not
2: yeah, does that create complacency is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah,
0: like, I, I don't want to have that either. I, I love, yeah. like, I, I hate yeah, like that he's... He's motivated,
2: he's great. Yes, I
0: think that they have no choice right now but to give him the contract extension. I just, I don't see a scenario that makes sense for them whatsoever anymore. Especially now that Matthews is under the four-year deal. Like, the time to trade Nylander or Marner has passed to me. Like, maybe it resurfaces with Marner at some point. If they really need to shake it up, they have another disappointment and whatever. I, I don't know. But I, I just don't, I don't see how this works in season, like recouping assets. They'd have to be out of the playoff picture. And even then it would feel like it's such a disappointment. I don't know what the, it's like, everybody's got to go essentially. Like everybody's got to, it's clean house. You got to be fired. I don't know. You. It's just bad. It's so, so, so bad doomsday scenario. But yeah, I just, I think eventually they're going to have to take a look at it and maybe it comes later in the year, but I want to have that information at least so that if it does come to this in the postseason, you have something else, another move to go to so that you just don't see a repeat of years past or you don't have situations where guys that don't belong, um,
2: yeah, are, are
0: playing in and roles he, that they he, that they he, he shouldn't he be in. You can
2: see that, though. Put him in the offensive zone. Start to try it in yeah. the O zone. Start to see how he tracks back if they lose the face-off. Start to see, you know, you're going to get a lot of... Uh, like the data, essentially, on what you need from him and what he's doing, mm-hmm. and you can protect him in that that piece and that role by also uh, giving his wingers information. So yeah, there is things they can do. It's just, are they willing to do it, or are they just going to keep stuffing three guys out there for twenty five minutes and yeah. hoping they win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, I don't
0: know. no. And and I, here's what I would say: If you're a Leaf fan, listen this, and you're like, no. no, no. What do you think is going to be more important this year? Getting information on whether Fraser Minton can play center at nineteen. This week, like they, they play the Panthers on Thursday and they play the Lightning on Saturday. What do you think is a more important data set to have if you're Sheldon Keefe? Minton versus those teams at 3C playing 11 minutes or Nylander playing 16 17 down the middle against those guys? I think it's pretty clear which one it is.
2: Oh, uh, it's Nylander, but I think you yeah. can do the combo again. Sure. Play him on the wing, play him in situations at center, mm-hmm. see him. See him, you know, process the game going from wing to center because it is a di- it is a difficult thing, and not everyone can go wing to center. Yeah, that's. Wing. what I mean,
0: I feel like that's a lot but, to put on somebody's plate in one game.
2: Yeah, but you can start to test the scenarios, see mm-hmm. how he's doing, see how he's attacking, see how see where he's going. Again, is he tracking back as a centerman, getting back into the zone? What is he doing? Obviously, you can't take as much risk in the O-zone consistently, and. And just if that happens, then that's great. But that's stuff that you got to be willing to do, and stuff you got to be willing to talk about, and decisions you got to be willing to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're gonna do it. <laughs> no, I don't think. I
0: don't think they're gonna do it either. I, I it just it just to me is uh, again I'll, last thing I'll say is. I want to I see it. And, and I keep thinking, like, when you're saying, can he do it 100%, I, I, I know he can because, uh, like, that play he made yesterday with the zone entry, and I know it's easier where it's off the wing, but the way that he's seeing the ice right now, the way that he's skating, just, you know, you, you mentioned there's only a couple of guys in the league that can do the stuff he's doing. I, I, I wonder, how many guys do you think there are in the league right now that have
2: his lower body strength? Oh, man. I mean, you, you talk about McKinnon, but he's more of an ox, and, and but really that's what I'm of saying. A, he's he's, he's more in of the pinker. conversation
0: with like the top of the top
2: top yeah. guys. Yeah, well, and it, it's his. It's just how smooth he is on his edges. That's another thing. McKinnon's not smooth. He's just a horse. He flies up and down. He's more powerful. Mm-hmm. It it's almost McDavid in, in a sense. Obviously, not the top speed, but just that. Uh, perfect fluidity of how they bend their knees and how they, they cut across the ice and, and they pick up speed and they never look like they're getting tired. It, it really is an art. And You know, you always talk about guys who essentially have been touched by God, obviously his skating and his ability to maintain mm-hmm. speed and and to not get tired essentially because of how efficient he is, is up there with with McDavid's. Why, why do you see McDavid play four or five minutes in an overtime and mm-hmm. not come off? Like these, it, if I went out for thirty seconds, you'd have to put a rope out there and drag mm-hmm. me off. These guys are just so proficient and so efficient at what they do and and how they do it, and it's it's unbelievable to watch. Like you said, he caught that puck in speed, turns around, cuts across, and he's still picking up speed where he barely was even crossing over. Mm-hmm. So there's there's multiple guys in the league that can do it. Some do it maybe a bit better, or some do it better, like Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. but. He's up there with the best. Yeah, saw I saw Bedard do it a little bit last night too. Well, this not where I'm to going that next. extent,
0: but I, I actually it. think Bedard is like everyone tries to find these comparisons for him. And I'm like, you know, even last night on Leafs Talk, Cuthbert and I were talking about how you know there's there's some Kucherov to him, there's some Matthews with the shot because he tried to steal that from him. But the the thing that I see that's the most oh no that's the obvious thing is when he's playing on the rush, he has the McDavid ability to go super fast but the yeah. stick looks slow. Like the thought process is he's getting tight to the net. It doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't, it, it just, this guy's cool, calm collected as he's going, you know, 40 kilometers an hour blowing by a defender. And and that's what I see is just like mini McDavid.
2: Yeah. He's, he's incredible. He processes the game again super fast. His mm-hmm. edge work, um, everything he does uh, around the ice, he's always processing and making generally, you know, his, his passing rate, I mean, how many times do you really see him turn it over?
0: No, it, it's, dude, it's, he's so hes so much incredible. smaller than a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. And yet the way, yeah, he's able to use his body and protect the puck and then make just these... He's a sick kid too, right? Yeah, he's just... He, sure, but I, like the short little quick passes that he's able to make in the offensive zone must be so frustrating for some guys where they look at him and they they get in tight and they're thinking, oh no, don't worry, I'll be able to take the puck from this kid. It's like, no, he just he makes i love watching him because it just seems like he makes the right play
2: every time he's a he's a 95 5 guy so everyone used to ask me the difference between kane and goudreau especially when i first got with johnny and i was like johnny's about a 75 you know 25 guy he makes his plays 75 percent of the time you know and he it's, it's high risk and turnover consistently Kane makes it 95% of the time. When Kane turns it over and he's making high-end, high-IQ, hard plays consistently, Dard's in that 95-5 category. He's putting behind-the-back passes that normally would get picked off. He's making them. He's throwing cross-scene passes that normally get tipped. He's making them. It's pretty impressive to see a kid at that age be able to make those plays at that high of a rate and connect all those passes and, again, get his shots on that. I don't know how many he had last night, but he had a post. Four. and a yeah, four yeah, he had plus a post. His dad's gonna have a heart attack, by the way. That's a yeah. whole other thing. Yeah, but um <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna need to just take a week off and go to a spa. Yeah. Dad. yeah. And I'm not kidding. Like a full week off, don't watch hockey. Yeah. Go to the spa, get your feet rubbed and <laughs> yeah. just do not watch hockey. So yeah, I feel I feel stressed watching him. Yeah. But it was a lot. his kid is his kid is just otherworldly. Yeah. They're incredible. Yeah.
0: You almost want to tell him, like, no, man, your kid's good. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> he made the league. <laughs> yeah, don't hey, hey, he's, he's really good. It's it's all right, you know? It's it's okay. If if the goalie saves him once in a while, it's going to be all right. He's going to score a lot of goals in the league. He's going to have a pretty healthy future in the yeah, NHL.
2: It is a stressful, right? Yeah. They're, in a, they're in a media circus right sure. now. Well, that's where I'm going next. Well, Bye. okay,
0: it, the, the practical part of it is actually I thought last night Taylor Hall – like if – if Bedard had a different winger who was making more of the 95 plays than the 75-25s, I think he scores. Because mm-hmm. there was a couple of spots where I thought Taylor Hall just missed him. One off the rush that I, I thought was flat-out brutal. Um,
2: and then coming around the net twice in the he, first. He, he could have had him coming down, and yeah. he didn't get it, and he gave it to the D yeah. a couple times like that. Yeah, yeah
0: just I, I don't know. what. I, personally, my conspiracy theory is that Taylor Hall is jealous. He's like... I never got this hype, and then when I did, I wanted out, and yeah, anyway, he's a little professional jealousy. You see, well, he's talking before the game started. I don't know. I know. That. I'm just joking around. I don't really think that's true. Well, maybe just a little touch of it, you know, like a little touch no, of it. We're all jealous a bit. Yeah, that's jealous. what I mean. Isn't it, isn't it all right for Taylor Hall? Got traded off the Bruins to go to a rebuild, and the former first overall pick, he's like, you're not so hot. I was pretty good, too. Yeah, I just wonder. I just wonder. He's a competitive guy. Anyway, Um before the game, he says that he thinks Bedard is doing too much media and he needs to do less. And I'm a media guy, so I go, dude, shut up. Bedard is one of the most important things, one of the most important guys to the NHL right now. They're trying to market south of the border. They just had him opening night against the Penguins. They just had him against the Habs, the Bruins, the Leafs, right? This is, this is going to be, hey, here's the league's new toy. These guys always want more money they want the salary cap to go up but then you know he's talking about how he doesn't want any of the one of the league's most famous players a guy with legitimate buzz right now to be in front of any cameras or less cameras which i despise but then i think about it practically in terms of him looking out for a 19 year old kid who is doing a lot and who is also having to play close to 20 minutes a night for this team down the middle like where where are you at with hall speaking out about what uh bedard has had to do to start the season from a yeah media off ice standpoint
2: yeah, looking at him on a human level, you always want to make sure he's okay and he's not overwhelmed. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he is. From a league level, you need more. Yeah, I, I, I need agree. Bedard. I said I need McDavid downtown, Calvin Klein, mm-hmm. Madison Square, you yeah, know, or wherever. You need to promote these guys as much as possible. These guys are what's going to sell the sport for the next fifteen years. These are the guys that you know bring people out of their seats every single night. You need more attention, not so much maybe buzz around the uh, like or more sound bites from him, but just more highlights, more of him shooting in warm up. Wow, look at him shoot it in warm up. I mean, is he just shooting a puck in warm up? Yeah, but people are enamored with him shooting a puck in warm up. These are things that is selling him. It's selling the game. And it's what we need. It's what I've said. What was it? How long ago was I on with McDavid when I was rattled that he's still on at 1030 at night? It's an absolute travesty of the league. And it's still brutal that they're not doing 6 p.m. starts in Edmonton. It's disgusting. But we don't need to go there. But these guys need to be hyped. They're some of the best athletes on planet Earth. And our sport needs to keep growing. Like you said, the cap, the cap needs to keep going up. These guys got to earn what they're worth, and this is a piece of it. So I, I agree what he's doing on a human level, looking out for him maybe or just trying to temper expectation. But as a media level, I, I love it. I, you know, you see my, my own kids come on, and they look at him taking a shot and warm up, like mm-hmm. I said, like a little clip, clip and, and stuff like that. The, the fans love it, and give it to him.
0: Yeah, I I think they need to because part of the my whole argument of Bedard needs to be in Chicago was that people were going to see him, but that also he was going to be in a market that mattered. Like
2: um, I was talking to Colby he yesterday. Bryce he, right now, Bryce Harper. Just go there a second before you yeah. talk about Colby. Everything is about Bryce Harper yeah. right now. Yeah, and the the sound bites he's giving and the, the emotion he's talking. its the best. Oh, so I don't good. even like baseball. I love it. And so I uh, double love it. I know it, you love yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, now go to Colby. But that they sell no. him every second he's on the screen, right? Dude, they now.
0: should. They should. This is this is anyway.
2: It's it's I get it
0: that if you put yourself out there, there's risk of looking like a fool if it goes wrong. But yeah, I just think the upside is massive. Like and we all accept that Bryce Harper is a bit of a douche. Like, he is. He's just a douchey guy. And he has been from the moment he stepped in the league. <laughs> like, he's, he had a one-up here where people asked him if he was going to celebrate his birthday. Remember that? And he said, hey, you going to go out for a drink on your birthday? And he just looks at the reporter here and he says, it's a clown question, bro. I went, ugh, <laughs> this guy makes me sick. He gives me the heebie-jeebies. But when I watch him, you know, stare down guys rounding the bases as he's pimping two home runs or celebrating his 31st birthday as he's trotting around the bases, where he's talking trash at podiums, I can't get enough. And it makes me want to watch this guy resonate with that city. And so hopefully, I think I, I was gonna actually tell Kobe yesterday that I sort of blame Sidney Crosby just a touch because it's mm-hmm. like the LeBron thing in basketball where I blame LeBron for some of the player movement because guys they wanted to emulate LeBron, right? Everybody says they emulate Kobe, and I don't see enough of that in basketball where guys are just killer mentality. I, I see a lot of guys who actually say they wanna be Kobe, but then they really emulate a lot of LeBron with like the business, the championship, like the ring chasing, the switching teams, all that stuff. And I think one of the, and it's not, it wasn't just Sid that did this, but I think one of the things that to me will be part of Crosby's legacy is, yeah, it seems like a great guy, seems like a nice guy, but the way he handled everything with the approach of just cool, calm, collected, never let him see you do anything other than when PK got him for a second in the Stanley Cup finals where Sid got pissed for like a microsecond. Uh, Bedard seems to have soaked that up, of like, and that McDavid has done the same thing. Even though McDavid actually says stuff sometimes, but
2: the professionalism he's approach. A, he's also got an Instagram and a social handle, which yeah. even just pictures uh, like a half yeah. plus Yeah, yeah, like Sid. Yeah. Sid doesn't have to even run the account; just post yeah. pictures of scoring <laughs> yeah, goals in the game. You know, yeah, I know. But that, that's something. When we were just to defend Sid a little bit on this, when social media came out, our our era was the lab rats for social media, mm. our era. So we didn't even know what it was, 2007, 8, 9, 10, when Twitter and Instagram and everything was coming out. They told us get rid to of not it. go on, yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah. While the other leagues started to realize how to use it. Um, so it, it was basically, it, it was, we're the lab rats, essentially, yeah. and the, the NHL scared players away from it. Yeah. And it's kind of hurting them now a little bit and now these players these younger players again even Connor bedard doesn't do much on it but he posts goals or he posts thank yous and he's got a half million followers he has some some commercials to post on there it's big for him it's big for his brand but to defend sid and to defend all the players you know in those days we were literally literally told you know get rid of it
0: yeah and you wonder why because you guys would come up with handles like stiegalicious for example And you would run that out there and say, this is fine. I'm sure this will be all right. And then, yeah, follow that account, no. by the way. It's there. No, no,
2: no. But, I, again, I never, <laughs> I never had a public account, yeah. in, it's not even until, like, yeah. I think I was retired for a year and a half for
0: yeah. the first time. Yeah. I so, remember uh, when we first yeah, tried was, to go promote your Twitter. I think you had a page for a hot second when you are in Florida, and you, you just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I never had any. Yeah. Never. Oh, that someone made that for you, eh? Oh, oh. They're, I got a, yeah, they're fake. Oh, but, the fans. The fans, yeah, they just wanted, my, they wanted you my, there, they my want, fans. Yeah, they <laughs> want, they wanted to pretend they were you. They was, certainly wasn't your kids. It no. wasn't them. Yep. Uh, yeah. All right, buddy, we gotta, yeah. we gotta run here. Um, again, uh, creator of the clever app, which yes, coaching sports. You're involved in youth sport, any level of sport. I would recommend that you download, you go check out the app. Again, it's free there. And again, you can follow at Stiegelicious and just shoot him a DM anytime. He's always available to you, and he will always reply immediately. He'll drop everything he's doing, and he'll make sure that he can run you through the entire app. Uh, Christopher Steag, two-time Stanley Cup champion. By the way, you were third in Calder voting in '09. I told you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Steve Mason won. Oh, actually, who was second?
2: Uh, Bobby Ryan. Yeah, correct. Yeah. See. And Chris uh, Christopher Stieg, And then uh, yeah. you ask uh, Steven Stamkos, who's on his wing yeah. for the uh, All Rookie Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's probably yeah. circled it as one of the highlights of his career. and <laughs> <laughs> so probably when he goes into the Hall, you think you be yeah. where, where? do you think you'd be sitting? Front center, front left. You know, well, you he'll, picking, be like, yeah.
2: he'll be like, how did Patrick Berglund and Christopher Versteeg yeah. make the All <laughs> yeah. Rookie Team over me? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably more likely. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Talk yeah. to you soon. All right, later. See you, pal. Uh, there it goes, Chris Christie. Again, clever app. Go download it. Two-time Stanley Cup champ of a team that he has now renounced. That's I gotta say, that's pretty brutal. That's pretty embarrassing.
1: Like, e- e- <sighs> I love that you were bringing that up as like a bit of a joke. And I know, but then it clearly it a, hit home. Yeah, but
0: but like, not not being able to go down and see the trainers and go down the room. Yes, that's. Ugly look for the organization. You got to be able to take care of that again The Leafs have a a lot more things on their plate than the Chicago Blackhawks do and they figured it out for a guy that played You know 50 games for them. So Yeah, that's just flat-out embarrassing. That's crazy. The Chicago Blackhawks, maybe more of a second-rate organization than they get credit or they don't get credit for, I don't know how to say this. They do get credit for, they don't get credit for being segregated. That's a hard one to figure out with my dumb brain. By the way, Jobo, great investigative reporting. Yesterday, I said, of course, with Colby, that the schedule comes out after the draft.
1: You're 100% on this?
0: Yeah, I have the articles from the NHL
1: and from the Athletic. So oh, you checked his sources too, to multiple sources. Because yeah,
0: according to Josiah Bosch, show researcher, who found out that Rastigue was third in Calder voting, by the way, apparently the regular season schedule came out June 27th, and the draft was a day later. The draft was June 29th, which means that the NHL got Connor Bedard to face Sidney Crosby to open the season, then Boston, arguably the what? second most important market in the NHL behind New York. Yeah, short on the short list. I was going to say it's the most important. They're diehards, but maybe just a little less because Boston, they almost they have it. But either way, so you got Sid, Boston, Montreal, Toronto, then the last two Stanley Cup champions, then Bruins again and Vegas again. Hmm. Makes you think. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> All right, Brady Quinn in a couple of minutes. I need to confirm what it is he's doing, but if it is what the guys behind the glass have told me it is, I think that's a nightmare for everyone else around him. Let's just say that. I'll talk about it with him in a second. Um, okay, so last night's game, football game. Obviously, I'm watching the Leafs. It's my primary. My job is to break down the Leafs game, so I watch it very closely, and I've got the Cowboys game on. And second screen, I had baseball on another screen, too. I was sneaking in. I was felt like a little bit of a I feel like a little bit of a bad boy when I'm doing <laughs> Leafs talk nights cuz I'm just like, you know, sneaking in to catch a little baseball, sneaking around catching some baseball. So, I wasn't as attentive to the first half as I was the second half of last night's game. So, I, I will admit that didn't deep dive into Cowboys Chargers the way that I normally would because of the Leafs and the playoff baseball. But the second half, there's two uh, two thoughts. One is I'm like my Cowboys fan. I have a bunch of buddies that are Cowboys fans and they're like, in group chat and they're texting about how this is why the team can't win. And it's because, you know, Dak doesn't have his timing down with his receivers. And it's like, it feels like it's always CD lamb or bust and they're disappointed in the Pollard season. And like, it was funny because Parsons, I guess, didn't have a tackle until the the sack that basically puts the game away. But the part that I watched the second half, I went, this is why I, That was some of the more impressive stuff I've seen from Dak, like him being able to evade sacks, use his legs and make plays downfield. That's what I want to see. That's what I feel so strongly about when it comes to the division between the game managers and the guys who can elevate their teams and, and create wins out of nothing is what we saw a little bit from Dak Prescott last night in the second half. And then the way they close it is that is like if you can have any somewhat of a lead, let the best edge rusher or one of the best pass rushers. Uh, like, a, there's a little bit of... We've stepped away a bit from the, he's the new LT. that That's gone yeah. away. <laughs> for, since they faced the Giants, a team that has offensive linemen that are doing straight off the couch with ACL tears. <laughs> we've, we've cooled off a little bit with Parsons. Now it feels like Crosby is the... Max Crosby is the guy that we're hyping up the most and going, hey, he's not getting enough credit. He's really not getting enough credit for what a beast he is and snap count and all these different things. But either way, let's like have a bit of a lead and then close the game and let those guys do their work. And I was a little worried, more worried about the other quarterback. Anyways, Brady Quinn, um, former NFL quarterback who, I don't know if you want to talk about this. Were you, were you just at a parent-teacher conference? Yes.
3: Okay. Yes, I was at a parent-teacher meeting quickly and, okay. and just oh. got back and, Back for it. So my apologies for getting no, 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 no.
0: I don't care. That's totally fine. I don't know. That's, yeah, You do your thing, brother. I just mean it more like, Dad must suck so bad for the other dads in the group. Like when you show up and you're at the parent-teacher thing and you're sitting there, you're like a guy who's on the cover of Men's Health and they're just sitting there fresh off eating the mcdonald's bag like who the hell is that guy and you know all the moms in the group are talking about you that's just a nightmare for them like they i, don't, I think all those dudes hate yeah, I mean, your guts like are you i'm just telling you right now i think every single one of the parents the dads of the other kids in the class despise you
3: that, that may be the case and honestly <laughs> i think i'm okay with it um, yeah because i i don't know how I mean, where you're, where you're at in your personal life but yeah. like I've got four kids, so I don't have a lot of time. Yeah, okay. And yeah, like, you're on TV, you're doing stuff. So. Well, it's, it's not even that. It's just, like, really even with the kids, like, yeah. there's so much going on. But, mm-hmm. like, there's kind of that with a the rap song, No New Friends. Like, that's kind yeah. of where I'm at. Oh, like, okay. I'm not trying to really make new friends anyway at this stage totally of my fair. life. I'm almost 40. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't have time for it. So I, I'm okay with the hate.
0: I love that mentality. It's a big-time quarterback mentality. You're just like, don't worry, next play, next down. We're just keep it moving. Hey, just block out the noise. Block out all the dads who are, like, gathered around in the garage having beers going, I hate Brady. I hate Brady so much. He's not so good. I watch him on TV. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's, that's those guys. That's 100% some of the conversations they're having. All right. Um, what I don't know if you just heard what I said about Dak and the Cowboys, but, yeah, how yeah, you how how'd you feel about the performance last night?
3: Um, look, it's a good response from getting your butt kicked the week before San Francisco, right? You kind of needed to come away with a win in that regard. I I mean, I think, and and that was a moment for Dak where he kind of carried the team too. You talked about him evading pressure and buying time, creating, that's, that's something he's capable of doing. I don't know if we see it consistently enough. Um, The other thing is, is, you know, we tend to forget, you know, Brian Schottenheimer has taken over as the offensive coordinator for Kellen Moore. And look, I, I've been in a Brian Schottenheimer system, and it's very different than, I believe, the system, at least how if Brian Schottenheimer's running it and he's running it the way he wants to, how he, he's running it compared to Kellen. So there they're probably still is some learning curve to all that. And, and I would say that generally in the entire league right now. Like, you're seeing red zone touchdown production down. You're seeing, like, I forget how many games I counted there wasn't a touchdown scored offensively. Like, you're seeing... Offenses still struggle this deep in the season. Mm -hmm. And and so, when I watched last night, at the end of the day, they only had four possessions in the second half. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but they punted, right? They went three and out, Mm -hmm. and then they scored a touchdown the following one on an eight-play drive. They ended up driving down for a field goal that ultimately ended up, you know, kind of separating things. And then they they ran the clock out in the final drive. That was it. That was all they had in the second half. So, you know, you can kind of come away and look at the numbers and be like, ah, you know, not really sure what to make of it. They found a way of winning, and and they kind of maximized the only opportunities they were really given. And it wasn't always pretty. You know, you touched on the timing and all that. You know, Cooks is new to this offense this year. Uh, I think with CeeDee Lamb, you know, and really what they're asking him to do, some of the the plays aren't so much timing elements with some of the options that they give him within his routes. It's more of like getting a feel for, like, where he's going to break, where he's going to be. And that can be tough for a quarterback, too, uh, with a new play caller and with some new pieces around you. So, look, I I look at it and say, you won, you beat a team that's – you know, considered to be one of the better rosters in the NFL. I came away with more questions about the chargers. Yeah. Same more questions about like, look at them offensively. Like this is like the Kellen Moore game, right? He goes to the chargers. You feel like they're going to have this big uptick in points outside of week one versus the dolphins. There hasn't been much of an offense. And I know Eckler was out. He finally came back for this game. Of course, he gets in a fist fight before the game or whatever happened there. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like with Herbert and the weapons they have, they're too good to be struggling to score points. And I don't know what you put your finger on. I don't I don't know if it's Kellen Mornis' first year calling plays there. I don't know if it's just the inability to have a consistent group of pass catchers and weapons around Herbert. Um, I don't know if it's Brandon Staley. And yeah. maybe yeah. the position that he's putting them in sometimes. But if you don't really know, ultimately there's only two people who take the blame, it's the head coach and quarterback. And eventually if they don't start turning this thing around, it's going to be Staley who ends up seeing the door.
0: Dude, okay, I, I, I think that the Chargers are 100 percent the story of this game too, because like where I'm at with the Cowboys is, hey, the Niners have your number to a degree that until you do something against them, I, I almost don't care. You know, it's just yeah, I think they're a capable team. I think they're an all right team but I, you, you have to drop them from contender status and I, I don't even think that you can put them in the top three in the NFC right now like that was a nice win it was a good win for Dak it's actually one where I probably liked him more than a lot of his other games but yeah ultimately it's like yeah this is the, the Cowboys team we expected the Chargers you just said it they have it's always this it's always oh the one of the better rosters in the NFL oh Justin Herbert like I, man I had Chase Daniel on yesterday and I know he's his teammate and he admitted to as much where he said hey it's a, maybe a little bit of bias but he said that Herbert's his favorite quarterback to watch in the entire NFL and I went yesterday like some of the misses that he had I'm going what the what is this exactly like what what the hell is happening here why does it feel like you look so great at times and then you have these moments where it just uh, yeah it, he leaves you feeling a lot of incomplete like there's something missing with him and I, I wondered how much maybe the hand affects him in a game like that like it's his non-throwing hand but still he's protecting a lot probably hurts But yeah, what do you just make about, like, let's start with the quarterback's part of all of this.
3: It's hard to touch on what it is. I mean, I would think off-throwing hand, it might hurt what you're playing, but you're not thinking about that out there when you're throwing. You know, I I would say this, if it was his shoulder, you know, that can still play a role if it's his off-throwing shoulder Mm -hmm. in your motion. You know, the way you separate your hands, the the way they teach it now is you come to equal and opposite, right? Um, And that could impact it. But his hand, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a, there's some small nuances to his motion that have been impacted, but I don't think that's a, that's the case. I, I would just go back to, like, his time at Oregon and just looking at him as a prospect coming out. And now since he's gotten to the NFL, you know, he, he kind of made a much bigger splash in the NFL early on, more so than he did at Oregon. But, like, every year at Oregon, he got better and better and better. At the end of it, you're like, man, like, I can see why they want to draft him so high. I can see all these things but there was just something missing and you couldn't figure out why Oregon didn't have more success. Like why Oregon wasn't like a national championship contender, because you don't see many guys who are six, five, six, six, have a howitzer for an arm mm-hmm. also are a tremendous athlete and are super, super smart and are like a team guy and everything else. Like he is the whole package. And so you're like, all right, it's just Mario Cristobal's offense, right? Like Mario Cristobal, just it's their head coach. It's the way he wants to, you know, the way he wants to run his offense. Because then he gets in the NFL and he starts putting up a ton of numbers. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, like, we haven't really seen much beyond that. And so I I don't know if it's just a matter of, you know, consistently throwing the football in a manner that can compete on the level with Patrick Mahomes and some of these other quarterbacks. I'm not sure if it's it's that Mm -hmm. or if it's purely just a matter of the coaching that he's had while he's there. And, you know, maybe that's the one thing that needs to change before we're really able to see. Um, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to understate the fact that you do have a new play caller there. Sure. We do have cut down off seasons. We don't see teams play their starters in the preseason. Like it takes a while for all the stuff to come together. And, and that's the part of the game now. But uh, there is something missing there. And it, look, if I knew, I, I might be on that staff helping out coach them at this point mm-hmm. in time and help them to find more consistency from because when he's on, he's as good as anyone in the NFL but last night was an example where it just felt like at times he wasn't consistent enough.
0: Yeah. Can I give you a, like, I don't know either. All right. This is just a layman's uneducated feeling, but I got, I was thinking about it a little bit last night because there were two plays in particular. One, he has Keenan Allen wide open for a touchdown and he, and he sails the pass, what like 10 feet past him over his head, like just a, like a layup of a throw. And then another one that he gets away with because they score on fourth down on the goal line. But where he makes just a terrible throw late to Eckler, where it's, it's again, again, a walk-in touchdown, and it's just a, it's a bad one. And the finger, and he had the shoulder, and he's at the rib, and he, like, he's been beat up a little bit in his career, but last season, if you go back, he was among the league, like at the bottom of the league for plays down the field. And some of that, you could say, is like always the Mike Williams injury, but I don't want to feel like Justin Herbert is dependent on Mike Williams to throw the ball down the field. I, I wonder if he's just been beat up enough that it's starting to rush him and starting to affect his clock a little bit. And, and that's what we're seeing is like some of the timing, some of the accuracy that it's off because maybe he's just got that accumulation of hits starting to build up in his head because there, there's sneakily been a decent amount for his career so far.
3: No. And and I think the thing that he needed to work on the most kind of going back to when he was coming out as a prospect was like touch. Yeah. Like it, it was like, he's got a really, really strong arm, but you know, can he throw balls downfield and, and put shaved balls into windows with touch? And that's always, to me, kind of been, I think, where he struggled passing the football. I mean, and you can talk about how, you know, last year was a little bit different, too, with the way their offense was constructed. That that was why a lot of people thought with, with the way Kellen Morris pushed the ball down the field and put up bigger numbers during his time in Dallas, you thought that may change, but it, clearly it's still struggling. So I, I, I'm not sure it's, it's so much of him getting beat up. I don't think it's that because when he gets outside and he wants to do, like, he can, he can put the football wherever he wants uh, downfield. To me, it's just a matter of like how he shapes it. He throws more of a flatter deep ball and given his delivery, you know, he kind of comes a little bit more from the sidearm with, it. and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how a lot more, you know, a lot more quarterback coaches are teaching it. Uh, or anyone who's working with mechanics, mechanics are teaching it. It's more of a rotational throw mm. than is an over the top throw. But I've, I've always kind of felt like, well, it's hard to put, a lot of air on that when you've got more of a rotational throw because of the way you're setting your shoulders. And if your shoulders aren't going to kind of like change your gauge, when you're pulling them up to kind of articulate the ball with more air, that's going to play a role. Like you look at Patrick Mahomes, he can throw sidearm, he can throw over the top, he can throw however he wants. And I think with Herbert, it's a little more rigid. It's a little more structured as far as how he's throwing the football in particular downfield and the way he throws downfield. So um, I I just think when you watch him versus some others and and their throwing motion and how they, you know, Mm past the football, you know, the, the other guys tend to be a little more natural with how they shape their throws compared to him, which he almost has to like take so much off of it because he's got such a strong arm.
0: Buddy, I don't know. It sounded like a pretty damn good answer. Like you said, if you knew he'd be down helping coach, you might want to give somebody can, can a I call. Can
3: I be honest with you? Yeah, that was right. I'm hesitant to ever say anything about him because he's such a talent and he's yeah. so good. But the re- and, and the reality is like people will just attack you for like, pointing something out that it's been the way I've watched football since college it's it's always been like yeah he just kind of throws a flat deep ball but you got to treat those people
0: you got to treat those people like the dads all right like just who cares yeah. who cares yeah. what those people think man this is the this is part of the culture we just live in right now which is everyone wants someone to have an opinion right because people are afraid to have them and then an educated person gives that opinion, and then people will shout it down super mad. And I think what triggers guys like you, to be honest, because I see this with other guys, like, is that you're an expert at this. Like, this is literally your lifelong thing. You watched tape your entire life. You're Brady Quinn, you played Notre Dame, you know, your first round pick. And then you'll have a guy on the internet who will scream at you or some comment section you'll read one day and be like, What does this guy know? He's an idiot. Like, he doesn't know. Justin Herbert's so talented. And you'll blow your top because there's no, you wouldn't walk in to the mechanic, right? Like, you wouldn't go in face to face with someone and be like, Hey, something's wrong with my car. They're like, Oh, yeah, it says your brakes. And you're like, So, it's so, a stupid idiot, right? Their face, like, they would hit you with a wrench, right? Like, they would just be like, Yeah, this is the most insulting thing that's ever well, happened. You know. Yeah, like, oh, and you'd pay to see it. You'd pay to see it. I just, I think that there's a little bit of breaking our brain sometimes where, yeah, the things that we pride ourselves on being experts with, there's just this a thing that's never happened in humanity before, which is a mass of people who have no idea, who have just this bold ability to shout it down as loud as they can and as rudely as they can so yeah that's what it is but yeah i think that's a really good opinion like i do i think that's a a solid one i think it's an educated one and it's one that makes sense to yeah an idiot like me all right um belichick lost mcdaniels he's 26 and 30 since 2020 and that's uh good for the 20th record in the nfl and all right i i, I don't even I, I don't think they're gonna fire him in season i just don't think that's gonna happen But. Man, they, they got a new offensive coordinator. They didn't get great weapons. The offensive line is not great. But what the hell do you think happened to Mac Jones? Because at least he used to be competent.
3: Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, I think the pieces around him aren't good at all. I mean, mm-hmm. look, Kendrick, Kendrick, they're relying on Kendrick Bourne to be like your deep threat or like your your big play-wide receiver. And it's just tough. I think they've missed. You know, they missed on Tyquan Thornton. He hasn't had the impact they thought. I know he's been banged up. But um, he just hasn't been as dynamic or reliable or explosive as they thought. And, you know, the the tight ends, too. Like, remember when they actually spent in free agency and they brought in...
0: Missed uh, on both Smith. Smith
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, Hunter Henry. Well, I don't even know that they missed on both. It was just like, you went through that period of time where you had Matt Patricia, which he didn't know what he was doing, and then you just didn't utilize them the way you Mm. typically would, you know, where you're doing more play action, more boots, more things. You know, basically what you needed was like a Kyle Shanahan system and disciple, but the truth is, is like, that's not Bill Belichick. He's not going to have... Someone outside of his coaching tree come in and be their play caller, or or be able to see and peek behind closed doors what actually goes on there in New England. And so this has been a byproduct to me of I think Bill Belichick, the general manager, who struggled mightily to build a roster that's able to compete that doesn't have Tom Brady at quarterback. Mm. I mean, you've got to spend, you've got to create, you got to have guys off the edge. But they've got Judon, so as part of it, And, and Gonzalez has been fantastic as a as a rookie, especially a cornerback, but look they've been a little bit decimated with some injury, but they just have not been able to hit. And there's a n and in particular on offense, where they've got you've got to be allowed firepower. If you don't have Tom Brady, you have to be able to have that firepower on offense around him. And they don't have that. So to me it's been the the biggest thing that's plagued New England has been Bill Belichick, the general manager, not the head yeah. coach. I mean he's still a great head coach and how he game plans and schemes. But that's what I think has been the biggest issue is they just don't have any difference makers. Like when you watch tape of them, there's no one separating. It looks like Velcro out there. Like everyone's stuck on everyone. It's a tough world to live in if you're Mac Jones. And it's not like their offensive line play, which we kind of under, um, understate the importance of Dante Scarnecchia. which when he's retired, I don't think the offensive line play has ever given close to the level of play of which it was. So it's just you have all these things that I think have added up over the years, and without Tom Brady, and now all gets exposed. And so, to your point, they don't fire him this year. I think if they if they ever do agree on anything, it'll be to go. <laughs> That's how it's going to go, I think, Oof. between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. I, I can't imagine he'd actually would fire him.
0: Yeah, I feel like it would be one of those. Hey, we can say it's mutual, but realistically, yeah. he's yeah. going to be fired. That that's how they're presenting it to him, like because you just said it. The the GM stuff is too bad, and I don't know Bill Belichick, but I would imagine that given the way that he comports himself and the success that the organization's had that he's had, that if they tried to go to him and go, Bill, we still want you to be the coach, but you can't be the general manager anymore. That he's not going to willingly accept that. He's not going to say, Oh, great, it's my fault doing this. All right, yeah, carry on, bring in the new guy. Like, imagine also being the new guy. Imagine being the general manager, sitting down with Bill Belichick, being like trembling, like, hey, so I think all the guys you drafted talk.
3: that <laughs> Every single guy
0: that you have is terrible. But, but,
3: but, but, even, but, but even think about guys who they let move on. Oh, like, yeah. Think about when they let Chandler Jones move on. I mean, mm-hmm. Chandler Jones has been one of the better edge rushers in the NFL history. And I know we can, you know, yeah, hopefully not make, you know, light or make fun of what's happening with him now off the field, but – Like, during his time in New England, he was everything you'd hoped he would be, and then you Mm -hmm. let him go. Like, like, I kind of look back, and you, and I wonder if Tom Brady thinks this, if he looks back at the Super Bowl they lost, and they're like, yeah, if only we had, like, a Chandler Jones to finish out a game, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if only we had, like, that one or two special players that instead we were cheap, we decided not to go that route, and we went a different direction. Like, I I, kind of wonder if there's ever that thought in the back of Tom Brady's head, because he did take a discount for the large portion of his career while he was there. Mm-hmm. It worked to a degree and built in building their roster because of his success and all that. But the truth of the matter is, had they had a few extra pieces, maybe he even won more Super Bowls during his time in New England. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but I do wonder if that conversation ever comes up with Tom Brady and other people where he's kind of going, yeah, if only we would have had these few pieces, we would have been even more successful. Yeah,
0: but I think this is what's crazy about how bad it's been in New England is – it's gone so 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 wrong since Brady left. That these are the conversations that are happening, right? Like it used to be, who is going to win the divorce? And and then ultimately, we all thought, well, they're both going to. Brady won the Super Bowl, but when we get back to this, it's like this was his best time, and New England was his place, and Belichick was his coach, and they'll bear the hatchet. It's the greatest quarterback, the greatest coach, and now it's like. Time's going on. People have short memories, and that's part of the reason why I think Belichick's pissed when he's asked some of these questions at the podium, but it's gone so bad well, his, that we're talking yeah. about this. I mean,
3: his, his record without Brady is one thing, and that was always questioned, right, yeah. especially as Tom Brady moved on. But the hard thing, too, is I think, had Brady not had the success he had where he goes through sure. he wins the Super Bowl, they win the NFC South the second year there, and I know it didn't end exactly how they wanted, but still... Like, we'll always be curious to see what that team looks like the rest of the season. But you kind of just go, all right, like, clearly, you know, he was the biggest impact yeah. on their success. Now, that's not saying Bill Belichick wasn't and their staff, players, everyone else. But, like, without Tom Brady, it's just an entirely different deal. And and that's where, you know, they hit on him. And, they, and a lot of people would say, you got lucky. When you found Tom Brady in the sixth round, mm-hmm. you got lucky that wasn't like your expertise and oh yeah we're going to play this whole thing out we're going to have the greatest quarterback of all time but we're going to wait and keep passing on him even in the 6th round we're going to pass on him and then take him later on in the 6th round and he's going to go on to be the you know greatest quarterback of all time yeah. that's not by design that's the luck that he fell into your lap
0: sure 100% and it would it 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 how everything broke Brady's way like look at even Josh McDaniels right Everybody's like, when is he going to get fired? His poor Mark Davis and his haircut have to be getting berated in his luxury box by the fans because they hate McDaniel so much, right? Like, the only coach he can beat is Belichick. These are the two guys. I even thought about the rest of the coaching tree where you look at Rabel and yeah, he can be pissed off all he wants and. That Titans team, I don't think is very good, but it's not. Yeah. Some of the blooms come off that. It's just, yeah, it seems like it's only Tom Brady. It's just Tom Brady. Everything was Tom Brady and that, that breakup has gone. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect for him. Uh, okay. Uh, last one. So clearly the lines are legit and I feel like everybody has gotten credit on their team. Like we've talked about how underrated Amon St. Brown is right. Uh, we've talked about what a breakout Laporta is, uh, Ben Johnson, just nonstop credit. He's got the now be enemy thing where people are like, how good is this guy? Is he one of the geniuses of the sport? Like, where's he going to end up as a head coach? Aaron Glenn now getting a ton of credit because the defense is basically a touchdown better from last year. But this is a team now that has had one of the best offenses in the NFL for two seasons in a row. Um, yeah, they're averaging, I think, yeah, 28 and a half points a game in a league where you mentioned it. Most teams aren't scoring any points or a lot of teams are struggling to score points. How much credit are you giving Golf in all of this?
3: Well, that's the thing is, is, if I said to you the top three teams in the NFC are San Francisco and Philly and Detroit, which yeah. I think is fair, they're all the same record. Yeah. Um, who's the best quarterback of those three?
0: I like my brain says Hurts.
3: So your brain, like to me, it wants to say it Hurts, but then you kind of tend to forget. Like Golf's probably a better passer, mm-hmm. and and he, he's been a Super Bowl too. You know, he's, he's been to one and lost one as well. So it's, it's kind of like, I, I just, I look at how we've, we've talked about Jared Goff, and let's not forget he was the number one overall pick for a region. Yeah. Like, no one's ever going to dispute his, his acumen and ability to throw the football downfield and do what he could do. Now, he's not the athlete Jalen Hurts is, but I would also say that he's also not on the team Jalen Hurts is. Like, that roster in Philly is, next to San Francisco, is the best in the NFL. Now, Detroit's is getting there, but it's not the same. You know, let's not get things twisted here. It's, it's not as it, – Detroit's is not as good as Philly. Now, I do think you've got to give the Detroit Lions front office a ton of credit because, look, they were patient and they built this thing from the inside out. Their offensive line is maulers. They can, they can run the football effectively. They can get pressure. They can stop the run. That's where everything, you know, starts and stops with this team. Mm-hmm. If if they can't do what they've been able to do in the trenches, then it doesn't, we don't need to have a conversation about golf. But the reality is – Jared Goff has been incredibly. Like right now, if you look at the last 17 games, mm-hmm. okay, he's 13 and four as a starter. Yeah. He's completing 69% of his passes. He's thrown for over 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, and to four interceptions. That's the last 17 games for Jared Goff. Go find me another quarterback that's played at high of a level the last 17 games in comparison to him. It, it'll be tough. I mean, he's right up there at the top of the NFL. So he deserves a ton of credit. I, I think Ben Johnson um, is every bit. Of what people have talked about is his offensive acumen. I was with him in, in, in training camp in 2014. Granted, he was, you know, a quarterback, assistant quarterback coach. You could tell back then he was a great offensive mind. And it's different than enemy because, look, enemy now has the chance to call his plays out from underneath Andy Reid. It was Andy Reid's show at Kansas City. It yeah. always will be. Ben Johnson's doing this in Detroit. It's been his offense, and he's building it around all the different pieces that they have and the way they utilize them. So, Look, I think Goff is going to be able to help this team, to me, contend in the playoffs because he's got a lot more experience, and I think everyone's understating how good he's playing right now within this system yep. and how good this team is. So it, to me, like, those, are the, those are the three best teams in the NFC, and they're three of the best four teams in the NFL. The other team obviously in consideration is Kansas City, and then maybe throw Buffalo in there. But, but that's your top five right now.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I just think that Goff is – like I watch a lot of Lions – I dubbed them as my team this year that was not going to be, you know, the team I actually root for. And I just – I keep coming away with it is the team is really good, but golf is playing great. And it, I think that there's a lot of people who have just – kind of set themselves in this position where they're like, yeah, Goff stunk and he was bad and he was what was holding the Rams back. And then they won a Super Bowl without him. So that was such a justified move. And now I just keep watching him going, no man, he's just, he's, he's playing great. All those things you said are true. The roster's really good. The offensive line is good. Laporte's been a beast. They got a great play caller. The defense has greatly improved. But yeah, I do think that Goff is going to start to get some credit. And you know what? The the thing that is bugging me though, if I'm a Lions fan, is trading out of that spot at six and not just taking Jalen Carter, like if we're talking about them versus the Eagles, right. man, right. You just sit there, take Jalen Carter and don't trade back and take Jameer Gibbs. Who's given you absolutely nothing this year, like a Not couple of done. like beyond nothing. And how different is this team? How different are we feeling about these guys? If they had that interior pass rush with that, like a, a beast, an absolute beast in Jalen Carter, like, oof, just such a, like great that they hit on Laporta huge kind of saves their draft a little bit because yeah, he's been one of the better tight ends in the NFL this season, but Man, that one's just such a miss. Mm,
3: yeah, yeah. Let me let oh, you. And, and you've got David. You've got David Montgomery, who's been doing a heck of a job. Sure. And, and so it, it kind of lends you to. I mean, look. Hard to DJ have Allen that Clark, work though. Anyone, though. Sure, but but I'm just saying anyone. Yeah. Like that would have immediately come in and had an impact right now because Jamir mm-hmm. Gibbs has not had that impact. And I, like when I took them, there, I was like, well, I guess that's fine if you're going to use them as like a bell cow back and you're, you're going to have him on the field a bunch, but he really hasn't impacted anything. I mean, you look at Bijan the way Atlanta's using him as far as looking at the two first-round running backs, how they're utilized, and it does draw a lot of questions as to how you could be so off, either in your evaluation of the player and what he's capable of doing, mm-hmm. or just whether it's character, whatever else it is, it's just a bit, a bit surprising that they have not been able to figure out a way of getting him more involved, him being out there, and him being the player that they drafted him and thought he was going to be, or at least was it Alabama in his final year playing there
0: again, they could have just stayed where they were in and taken Bijan. <laughs> like, it's. Yeah, right, uh, right. Like, because like,
3: like, Atlanta was at seven, right?
0: Yeah, Atlanta, eight, I think. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, they, right. they, they were in front of all those teams. And they, I, I just I think they galaxy brained it a little bit. They, they, they blew that one. That's just, it's hard to justify. And by the way, I to say this to you before you go, just because you invoked one of the names earlier. Um, to, tell me who these two quarterbacks are. One of them, 12 touchdown passes, four interceptions, quarterback rating in 99, uh, is defensive points per game. Are 32nd quarterback two 11 touchdown passes five interceptions 95.7 quarterback rating defensive points per game uh second. Who are those quarterbacks? First
3: one's Russell Wilson. The second one's Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah, just saying. I was like, yeah, uh, thought
3: that was interesting, right? Yeah, uh, but yet everyone wants to blame Russell Wilson, and yeah. and look, I'm not I'm not one to call for someone's job, but you'd have to go back to 2017. Mm-hmm. That's the last time a team that was either the head coach or defensive coordinator by Vance Joseph mm-hmm. was in the top 10 of defense, okay? Mm-hmm. That was the Broncos, by the way, in his first year head coach. I think they went 5-11 and 11 that year. But really, I don't even know how involved he was as a head coach in the defense. But even when he got that job, coming off the Dolphins, like I never really understood how people were so enamored with his like defensive acumen. He's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. Anyone who talks to Vance, you, you love him. But he just has not had the success to warrant how he is completely dodging bullets and not being on the hot seat right now. Like if you're Sean Payton, that's the one person that I'd be looking at saying, dude, we're not that bad on, on the offensive side of the ball. You guys are atrocious. It's the worst of the league. It's crazy to me how that's not the talking point when it comes to the Broncos.
0: It's easier to do the rest thing. That's all. It's just it's way right. easier to right. pin it all on him. And it's like and also right. no one's watching the Broncos. So no one sees, like, I'm not, you you know, you, you, you excited to watch Procels? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You think so? I don't even think she is. I don't think she's not. I think she's like, yeah, yeah, good job today. I think they sleep in different beds. (laughs) That's my opinion. (laughs) Either way. uh, All right. Brady Quinn, uh, former NFL QB. Thanks for coming on today, buddy. Uh, Good luck with the dads. Thanks for having me. See you, pal.
3: Yes,
0: sir. Um, Russ is fine. I'm just saying that deep down I I still I don't wanna I never wanted to see Russ have success last year. I can't see Russ win a Super Bowl. This is the place for me as a Seahawks fan where it's the safest, where he's just on a dog team that has no shot that is gonna end up picking first overall. But the part of being a Seahawks fan and part of being a Russell Wilson fan was always defending Russ. And I have had that come out in me over the last week with some of these statistics that have been floated around. And I will just say that I don't think Mahomes is worse than Russell Wilson or anything like that. With bringing up those two numbers, the only thing I'm pointing out here is that Russ doesn't exactly—he has Jerry Judy. You know what did Steve Smith call him? A number, a a decent number three. Yeah, that's his guy. Doesn't have anything else there. What what does he have? Nothing. And like Cortland Sutton, eh? Yeah, just he doesn't have anything. Doesn't have a running game. Russ is still making it kind of work to, and it was garbage time, whatever. But played a little bit better, I would say, than Mahomes this year, statistically speaking. Basically, what I'm saying is, if you put Russ on, <laughs> 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 just kidding. Anyway, uh, all right, let's. Just, and yeah, I, I really do think I, I was always a bit of a golf hater because
1: he was a Ram. Now I love golf.
0: Goff can play, man. Goff, yeah, Goff? I, think
1: he's been, I think he's been great. Like, I think you guys were, were right. And, you, you know, you were ca- talking about quarterback tiers a little bit yesterday. And he's probably not in that tier of, mm-hmm. like, he's in that elite. But, like, he is, has taken he's a the good the Lions team and makes them week to week, it seems like, you know, a little bit better. Man. They, which is huge for a team that has a, a good roster, you know?
0: They have a really good offensive line. Yeah. And they have the running game, which gives yeah. him a lot of leeway in the play action. But right now... Again, I I like using EPA. I think it's a really good stat. He's in the top six. He's or sorry, he's in the top five. He's tied with Tua, and I think that. And Tua, by the way, remember he had a seventy-point game. Like when he's saying who's the best quarterback by EPA, I, it still is Hurts. Like Hurts is slightly above him, and I I would rather have Hurts. Like I, again, I'm on the record of I like my quarterbacks who can make the plays down the field with the throws, but also athletically, and. That's why, like, you know, to me, it's Allen and it's Mahomes at the very top. That's why we want, that's why we want so badly for Herbert to be that guy. But yeah, um, same thing. PAA, which is the number of points contributed by a quarterback accounting for QBR and how much he plays above the average level of a quarterback, Goff is fourth, ahead of Herbert. Ahead of Brock Purdy, ahead of Jalen Hurts. Like there's, there's some pretty strong statistical cases. Plus eye test that golf is not just, you know, running an offense fairly well, that he's like, he's diamond. He's playing extremely well. And that's why when I look at them, I just think there's more of a chance that they could beat a team like the Eagles or the Niners in a playoff game than what I think people are giving them credit for. I, I actually think that they're, they're kind of in the mix. They lost that game to Seattle. I also think Seattle's actually pretty decent. Like they lost this week, horrible red zone play, but they stuffed up that Bengals offense. They had a bunch of stops in a row. Gino had a horrible red zone pick. Like Seattle was really, really bad in the red zone. If they can figure that out, clean that up, they're going to be around it. But the reason why I like Detroit more than Seattle, even though they lost to Seattle is I I think that the quarterback is just playing really, really well and he he can do this, but damn, that's going to be a miss that Jameer Gibbs, instead of just taking Jalen Carter. Everybody talks yeah. about Seattle with Witherspoon. Everyone did that originally, but now Witherspoon looks like a stud. Yeah, he's playing really he's well. He's been unbelievable. It's just, they, they look like the team that really blew it. Anyways. That
1: Stafford-Goff trade is going to go down is like just such an interesting one. Like yeah. Obviously, the Rams get Stafford, win a Super Bowl, but they. it was like Goff and two firsts and a third going back mm-hmm. to Detroit or whatever. And I mean, mm-hmm. if they can become like a real contender for the next X amount of years with golf. I think it's just
0: a win-win. It's It's an unquestionable win for the Rams because they got the Super Bowl and Stafford made the play of the game. Yeah. But considering what they could have gotten for Stafford at the time that they did right by him, Mm -hmm. that they'd look good in his organization, sending him to the place that he wanted to be, and that everyone viewed that trade as well. You have to take Goff back, and you have oh, to take the money yeah, that's back. The and thing. This is a part of the downside of this, and how he started his career with Detroit. There, where everyone was writing him off immediately, to where
1: he's at right now is we'll yeah. give you extra picks because yeah. you have to take Goff and the money back. Yeah,
0: I, I think thing. it's a pretty strong case too for taking talented quarterbacks and putting them in in good positions. Like this was always sort of my case with Zach Wilson after year one, when everyone was like, "Yeah, I have to get rid of Zach Wilson. you have to get rid of." I don't think he's a stud by any stretch of the imagination, but his career does he have a skill set? Was he taking second overall? Would you want to have a guy like that with your team if you're growing and develop and you build them into something good, and you're a little bit more patient with them? I, I would say that those are the kind of guys that you still want to target. That's why those guys end up getting those chances. Anyways, quick break, and do what we missed. A hilarious one today.
1: Try to make Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
0: All right, so we have an email that goes out on this show every night like an email chain where everybody contributes to what we missed right it's just the way we do this is i'm watching a lot of games and so i try to have some of the stories around me i'll pick some that i'll want to do and then i'll have others where you guys flag something for me and i go oh that's actually pretty interesting let's chat about that and simon douglas (laughs) has multiple (laughs) times pitched wanting to talk about live action gargoyles <laughs> i like and and the best part was in the email yeah. you brought it up like no one ever i never was like yeah we got to talk about live action gargoyles and then you brought it up like yeah. you've brought it up multiple times Correct. and so clearly the gargoyles animated show <laughs> Left a huge... I love gargoyles. Yeah, clearly. I thought it was sick. <laughs> we can tell. Yeah, We yeah. can tell. You love gargoyles, buddy. So, anyway, uh, here's what I remember about gargoyles is it was they, at night, they would turn to real life and That's they right. would fight crime. Correct. And in the day, they would turn just to stone just again. Just
1: drink gargoyles, man, yeah. But all I could
0: think of is do you know how terrifying that would be every night like sure because i i have a <laughs> slight bit of claustrophobia uh-huh. right like have you ever had one of those dreams where you're trapped yeah like i've had dreams where or or i get sick when i watch those videos of cave divers where they're yeah. sure. pushing their way through caves uh-huh. like that's a nightmare to me imagine first of all heights you got to be up high <laughs> so, so the are whole- high and then you have to be turned into stone As the sun comes up. The whole thing. The whole
1: thing you're out on.
2: That's
0: the... It's it's too much for me to... It's disgusting. (laughs) JD does not want to be a stone monster. What sick person thought of this? What sick, sick mind thought of a curse that is... This bad, because well, so that's the, what it is, right? They're cursed.
1: Yes, uh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah See, yeah.
0: you got all the gargoyle cannon. Here's You're the like, whole war. Yes. <laughs> so Actually, I, I remember that.
1: The bit. thing is, I guess, too, is like the cartoon version, yeah. clearly you thought pretty deep about it. The live-action one's going to be a yeah, nightmare oh, for I you. Know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Watching those fellas turn to stone. That's tough. Gargoyles. Did we really need gargoyles? Just this, that word, gargoyle. I know, it's <laughs> a fun, no, but it's a fun word to say, gargoyle, gargoyle. It's a great... It, it there's something about that word that is enjoyable for me to say you gargoyle that's a good one that's a good chirp to someone <laughs> if someone calls you a gargoyle that that stings a little bit go home just yeah, sit that's down. a good one take a seat anyway so yeah you love it it's your favorite show well what's next my fa- you want biker mice from mars
1: just, there we go Yeah, see yeah. this is what i'm talking about <laughs> let's say, remember some cartoons like
0: those cartoons are very much in the same sure. pocket of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a huge thing yeah. for our age. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a bunch of offshoot cartoons that were yeah, by what if it's kind of a like straight this? rip. That's yeah. a straight Ninja yeah. Turtles rip. Yeah, but that's what I mean. <laughs> Creatures who fight crime. Yeah. Became a big good subgenre. It's like in Nirvana the happens. They're kind of yeah.
1: bad. They're kind of like, you know, they're they're renegades, yeah. one skateboard. Yeah. These guys are bikers. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and that, but that was always the template on those shows. Yeah. I'm sure there was a skateboarding gargoyle. I'm sure that <laughs> there was a cool one. There, there was definitely a cool one. There was definitely the the Leonardo one yeah, who's like, the leader where it's oh, like hey, for sure. everything is straight business and we gotta fight crime in a real meaningful way. That's that that was the template. Like I said, yeah. it, it was very much hey, Nirvana happens, and then Pearl Jam happens, and then for a decade we got all the those bands are like, like yeah. trying to do the yeah. Trying to do the grungy type singing <laughs> with rock. It just this is the way it goes. This just doesn't get enough credit. But yeah, um, I won't be watching the gargoyles.
1: No, I also. I mean, if it was animated, (laughs) I might be in live action. I'm out. (laughs) I'm out on live action gargoyles. If it was animated, I'd be back in. Like they're redoing the X Men, the old like X Men style cartoon. Cartoon? Yeah, they're like Mm -hmm. just read. They're picking it up where it left out. Yeah, that was the best
0: cartoon ever. Yeah, I think that's the. If I had to do a, what was my top cartoon as a kid that was in the mold of action teams. That's number one. That there X-Men go. one was... Whew, it was hot. Yeah. yeah. You know what, though? I went and tried to give it a go at one point because I went, ooh, nostalgia. Let me see. Yeah, it it's on Disney us- Plus, right? Yeah, but it, no, no, no. I, yeah, it was even... Yeah, it just... No. Nah. doesn't hold up? I just wanted to leave it where it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Don't try to bring that back. Yeah. I mean, they are. They are trying to bring <laughs> no, it back. No, I mean, but- <laughs> don't, don't try if you're an adult oh, to go gotcha. sit down yeah, and yeah. watch that show gotcha. and say, this will live up. I actually... I remember there was probably like four or five Christmases ago. I was at home, and it was probably even more than that now. Like, I have no sense of time. <laughs> but I remember my mom had a VHS player still, and I found a copy of a VHS Ninja Turtles, and I popped it in, and I was like, let me just see this. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. This I could was not, animated? or like the Yeah, movie? the animated. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was okay. genuinely... I watched 10 minutes of it, and I went... Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the truly the worst television I've ever seen. You can never make fun of the genera- the Caillou kids or what. It's just that. Was just as bad. It was. The Caillou it was. Well, yeah. What was the? That's the one that's universally panned the most, right? Caillou.
1: I think that was probably Joe's
0: favorite cartoon growing up. That's to be right. honest. I, I never yeah.
1: actually watched Ca- oh, Caillou. Oh, come
0: on, man. Joe. You're sitting really low in your chair remember, too, so <laughs> you look especially young. I never even really watched Caillou. Yeah, yeah, I'm raising okay. my chair now. Yeah, yeah you better. <laughs> now I'm at the same it, level. Yeah, it was a little too low. All right. <laughs>
1: leader of the gargoyles, by the way, Goliath was the leader of the gargoyles. Yeah,
0: that sounds right. So,
1: anyway, moving on. Is that what we're doing? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> we're gonna Did you know that off the top? No, I looked that up. Yeah to look up was like, it 12? 12? can i
0: can i hit you with something that i think is real that yes. i might be crossing over the thing i think goliath's voice was david boreanaz okay yeah joe's on it if i get that right anyways let's move on but i think i think i might actually be an undercover gargoyles <laughs> lover if i if i get that right then that's gonna be trouble is it
1: uh one of the earliest one was keith david
0: Ooh. No, damn. I thought mm. for whatever reason. All right, never mind. Maybe mm. I'm not such a gargoyle You're not even girl, a actually. true gargoyle, yeah. fan, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, let's let move, move, move
1: it on. Let's uh, keep it uh, moving. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> you had briefly yeah. talked about this, uh, but Bryce Harper matched yeah, yeah. a homer last night. He is so hot in the playoffs. It was uh, his 31st birthday, and he had a pretty cold celly crossing the plate, putting up the 31 and kind of blowing him out as the candles. Mm-hmm. Got me thinking. You're a big birthday guy? hate birthdays. Hate them. Did you birthdays? ever like birthdays? No, um, never. When
0: I was a kid, my birthday fell in a time where people were just like getting back from summer vacation or uh, the last kind of weeks of summer where it was hard. And so I'd always have the kid birthday party where it'd be tough to get all my friends there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And there was nothing hurt more hurtful when you were in the, like ten and below range yeah. of mm. your best friend not coming to your party. Yeah. You went, yeah. What do you mean you're gonna be in Europe? Yeah. How dare you? You're still at the yeah. cottage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is painful to <sighs> me. And your parents would have some of that politicking of inviting some kids where you went, I wouldn't have invited Clayton to my birthday. <laughs> I never invited Clayton. My mom invited Clayton every single time. I hated it. Well oh, poor Clayton. Yeah, I, out there listening to so, this. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, I think it's all right. <laughs> Again, Joe was so young gotcha. that he was going, oh my God, if someone said that about me oh, Clayton. being invited. You're that kind of kid. You got angsty. You were definitely a kid that was parents forced invite. To a couple birthday parties, like, yeah. I guess. I invite you to uh, mind. mind, Joe. I really did. I really did. As a kid, love goodie bags. I was sure. really stoked on goodie bags. The that loot was bags. Big, yeah, if you, if, if you, yeah, like a, a goodie bag, a good solid loot bag. More important than anything. Yeah. More important than anything. I think it's crazy that we. Anyway, this. It's pretty nuts. Like have your parents ever made you watch old home videos of your young
1: kid birthday stuff? I luckily my parents never had like a camcorder. Oh, my parents thankfully. Because that's a that would be a nightmare. I for was me. the
0: oldest kid, so I was I was filmed as a child, quite a bit yeah, yeah. for a long period. It's funny too, because my parents clearly just ran out of steam by the time my brother comes around, the third child, they're like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. So. <laughs> you can just go Yeah, it's just uh, fine. Yeah, whatever. He's doing his own thing. He's got stuff. My brother yeah. used to always say that as a kid. What are all the videos of me? And they were like, Yeah, we ran out of steam. You were fine. Yeah. We we were we had our first kid and we videoed the crap out of him. Yeah. By the time you came around, they were like, Yeah, this is a sequel, watered down version of the, of the, the original. But it's crazy watching for me, anyways, that. You didn't and like birthday parties fine, whatever. I'm not sure I'm ruining them, but just like the pressure of a parent having to buy something for a kid and compare it to the other kids sure. and like the materialism yeah. around it kind of actually felt a little icky to me. Mm. And I was thinking like watching this video of, uh, yeah, some of the parents on having the same kind of money and other parents having money and some parents buying something that's a little bit too extravagant. I think that was more probably a 90s thing. Now it's all woke sensitive culture. So probably <laughs> nobody does that anymore. But either way, I just I did find it a little cringy to go back and watch them. Sure. But yeah, I've never, I think that, no, I've always found it kind of painful when a girl's like, it's my birthday week. Mm-hmm. That's not really a guy thing that's happened, but girls where they like try to monopolize their birthday into multiple days and you go, mm. all right. So you're my is, fourth birthday dinner? Yeah, it's like, this okay. is a little much. I get having a birthday dinner with people, you know, and then going out and doing that stuff. Yeah. I don't hate people who like their birthday. I think that's totally fine. Just for me. I don't like – I like attention for the right reasons. I want to I, – I definitely want attention. That's why I'm doing this. Okay? I want attention. I'm not here because I didn't want attention. Duh. But I, I, I don't like attention just for like – there's something to me uncomfortable for me personally about, hey, it's your birthday. You Like we're going to do something for you. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I hate that. I, I hate that feeling of the pressure on other people to try to figure something out, the pressure on me to try to do something because it's my birthday. If I don't feel like something – I don't like, the. I'm a sad birthday person where I, on I'm my a birthday, sad, I'm yeah, a sad you're birthday sad, person. okay, yeah, yeah, I reflect that. I go, oh my God, how did I get here every yeah. single time, and it, man, it's, man, I it, thought
1: I would have accomplished so yeah, much just, more I, everything,
0: now. everything is just, it's sad, I'm a sad birthday guy, I'm not like, thank you, I'm so grateful, I see people who post <laughs> where they're like, next chapter dominated this year, I'm like, I've never <laughs> had that, I've never once had a birthday where I went, man, I'm so proud of myself, and this is so great, and on to the next, so excited for <laughs> what comes next. Post a hot thirst trap picture of me on my birthday surrounded by my friends. I see people like that. I'm like, who are you? How do I get that? How do I get there? Anyways. Chapter 25. Uh subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JD Bunkus. And yeah, go subscribe to Leaf's Talk while you're at it. Um we will see you tomorrow. Good hour, and Jackie Redmond returns.
3: Tune in.